Father, we just engage, we disengage from our thoughts, from our distractions, and we engage in what you want to do in us for these moments, Father. What you've already done, what you've already said, we engage, we exercise and release our faith right now in the name of Jesus, Father, for the word that we need this morning. We release our faith and we engage the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to not only lead and guide us this morning, but to bring things to our remembrance. You are the great teacher. You are the one that Jesus said it is needful that I leave. Because if I don't leave, the helper, the teacher, the comforter won't come. You are well able, more than able, to teach us the things that go far beyond what I can articulate and what I can say and what I can teach. Father, we engage that right now this morning. Whatever it is, all of us individually, what we need. Father, we do not gather here together today, this morning, out of habit, out of religiousness. We gather together as a family to hear what it is that you want to say to us corporately together. We've heard many things. We've done many things already this morning. Lord, as we transition, as we kind of wrap this thing up, Father, I ask you to put a pretty bow on the end of it. Help us tie all this together. Let us remember this meeting together. Let us walk away with something more than just an experience. Let us walk away with an encounter with you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read you a couple of, couple of different passages while you're turning to Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 10 says this. It says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. And then he says later on, he says, As you go preaching, say this, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke chapter 17 says, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus said, All authority, both in heaven and in earth, has been given unto me. Now you go in my name. That's what he said, in my name. And then he said, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, to whom he also presented himself after, after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. That's the first chapter of Acts. The last chapter of Acts says, Then Paul dwelt two years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God. And Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not in meek, not in meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If Jesus said that the reason he was sent was to preach it, wants us to think differently for it because it's at hand, told us to pray that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven, 
says that it is in us, then commissions us to preach it, then gives us authority over all that has to come against it, birthed the church because of it, gave the Apostle Paul who taught us about it and told us that we are to establish it, and then ended the 28th chapter of Acts forbidding no one to teach it. I think it would be important for us to understand it. So last week we started and I brought some luggage and I said we were going to unpack the new series. The series that I started was unpacking the kingdom. How many of you know that we've heard some things, we've seen some things, but have we really understood and grasped what it is, the kingdom of God? This is what we're called to do. We're called to establish it. We're called to preach it. We're called to live it. It's in us, but yet we still have this vague mentality of what it is. The kingdom of God is not something that you can put your finger on. It is not like this building. There's the kingdom of God. No, the kingdom of God is a way. It is an atmosphere. It is a culture. It is a mindset. It is the way that we are because it is from where we are. We're not from this earth. We are from a, a heavenly place. The kingdom of God is not meat or drink. It's not about doing something, coming to something. It's about being something. It's about establishing his kingdom. The early church had great influence in the world. And then what happened? That influence waned because the enemy knew that that was something he had to try to stop. And so he, he was successful in making it. If the enemy, listen to me, the enemy is not mad at you for showing up this morning. He'd rather you not show up this morning. But he's not threatened necessarily by you showing up this morning. He's not threatened by you shouting and raising your hands in this meeting this morning. He may get a little nervous, but it doesn't threaten him. What threatens him is when we begin to manifest the kingdom of God in every area of our life. I don't know what it is about, we've already gone completely off the rails this morning, right? We don't have our normal, so let me just go off the rails a little bit. It's amazing to me when I see church people, and you know what I mean when I say church people. I talk to church people, I've been around church people. It's amazing to me when I see them, it's like we've been, it's like we're in prison, it's like we're shackled with this mentality that all that consumes us as a believer is what we do in these few hours when we meet on Sunday. And that was never his intent. That was never his intention. I'm, I'm trying to create something to create a vocabulary that's different than what. I don't want people to say, I go to church, I want them to say, I am a part of the church. I am the church. What we do here is we're just gathering this morning. This isn't just church. The culmination of your life as a believer is not fundamentally cemented on this day, on this morning, every Sunday morning. You miss a Sunday morning. Does that mean that you didn't go? To church, does it mean that you are not the church? Does it diminish something from your life? I believe, listen to me, 
Listen to me. I believe in gathering together. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves even more as you see the day approaching. I think we should gather more, but not just in this capacity. I hear testimonies all the time of people meeting in homes, people meeting in restaurants, people having conversations, people Facebook, Instagram. Listen, those are all tools. This is a tool. So is the phones. So are, I was looking for my phone. It's like, where'd it go? So are these phones. This is great. This is wonderful technology, but it is tools to establish the kingdom. You think that Satan invented the internet? No. God created all of this, and it's wonderful, and it's great, but it's for a purpose. It's for a reason. It is not the culmination of all things. It is the precursor to all things. So, so when we gather together, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do with this, with this series is I'm trying to unpack something in your heart. I'm trying to get you to leave this place valuing what happens here on a Sunday morning. But I'm also trying to get you to understand that when you leave this place, hell needs to watch out. I said last week, I said every time a believer walks into a place where the influence of the enemy is strong, the demons shudder. Oh gosh, there he is. And they all stop because you, whether you realize it or not, you carry with you the manifest presence. Sometimes the only way to access that is the realization of it. You manifest. We're sitting there, and I told a testimony about when we went to Disney World and all these thousands of people just walking by. And I was talking with someone, and he was like, you know, if you really believed, if you really understood that people were going to hell, you, would, you wouldn't be able to stop talking to people. And I said, there's bondage in that statement. It, it feels like it fastens me down. And then the Holy Spirit said, you carry with you my presence. And I stopped and I said, right now, at this moment, we are manifesting the kingdom of God in his presence. In this place, right now, this moment, you manifest, you carry with you. Whether you realize it or not. Artie, whether you realize it or not, Joe, whether you realize it or not, Tina, whether I realize it or not, we carry with us the manifest, tangible presence of Jesus Christ. So we should expect that things change. If you come to my house, there are certain things that I expect, not from you, but to you. I expect that if you're sick, you won't be sick when you come into my house. I expect that if you have pain, that when you come, I'm believing that when you set foot on my property, on our property, you will feel a tangible difference in your body. We believe that when you drive, even though this isn't our facility, actually, the, it all belongs to the Lord, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? The hills belong to the Lord. So technically, it does really kind of belong to us since we're children. So every place that the sole of your footsteps, he's given to you. You should come and expect that every person you invite and every person that walks through that door should come and go, mm. Joe, did you feel that? Feel what? I felt something. I don't know what it is. It's probably just that 
sausage biscuit we had this morning. No, I want you, we should expect that when people walk on this place, they feel a difference. You should expect, okay, come on up. I want, to, I, want you to, I want you to testify to your conversation. Come on. You should expect that when someone calls your house, they should feel at the tangible manifest presence of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to pause and I'm going to get Amy to testify to you guys what happened the other day. As it, I, said it, I said, please share that with them because it's going to fit great with, with my message. So we had a, um, what do you call it, spam phone call, telemarketer call the house. But this is one I'm really, I'm, I usually can deal with them really well, except when they are geared towards like elderly and just like playing with people's minds. So this is one, and you've probably had one, that's like you have a warrant out for your arrest. This is the IRS. You owe this money. You need to call us. So I called them back. So they, he answers the phone, and um, I said, hi, this is Amy Jenkins. You left a voicemail, and I just want to know how you come to work every day praying on the elderly. And, you know, and he said, oh, hi, this is explicit, <laughs> you know, cussing me out for everything I'm worth. And I just started talking to him. We were talking over each other. And then he went into literally saying he was going to come to our house. And I, there's children in here, I would tell you, I mean, horrific. Everything you see on the news that he was going to do to my children and I. And I just kept saying and speaking truth to him, at least my truth. There was a moment I got heated. I did. And I finally just stopped and said, I would never want that to happen to your children or your wife. Are you married? because that would just be something they would have to carry with them all the days of their life, and they would be traumatized by that, and that makes me very sad. And I said, what was your dream growing up? And now we're talking over each other. What was your dream growing up as a little boy? Is this what you wanted to be doing with your life? Is this honoring? Would your parents be proud of you? How do you lay your head down and sleep at night knowing that you've done this to people all day long as your job? There's no integrity in this. There's no character to be had by this. On and on and on, I mean, and we, he is, as fast as I'm talking, he's going after me with everything he has. And so I just, we just went on. I mean, this went on for a while. He hung up, I called back. His name was Jeffrey or, D Jeffrey or Dave. He gave me two names. And I said, you're not honoring anybody with this job. I, I said, do you know the Lord? Because I just know that he's created you for a better way than this. I'm reading off my Facebook post. And um, you can't have honor in this job that's built on deception and you're stealing, so you're a thief, you know. And I just went on and on. And um, I said, I really believe that if you repent, you're going to have an honorable purpose at some point in life. And he cussed me for a very, very long time. Every imaginable words I didn't even know existed, saying horrific things again about my children, what he's going to come to my house, just all of this. And there was a moment, a moment that I thought, I've overstepped my boundaries. I'm in this a little deeper than I meant to be. We're in this five minutes now, you know, and I, but there was just a pause where neither one of us said anything, and all of a sudden, he said, okay, ma'am, okay, ma'am, I don't work for the IRS, and I said, well, before we talk, are you ready to talk? He said, yes, ma'am. I said, I need to address what you said you were going to do to me and my children, and he said, I'm sorry. That wasn't right. I'm sorry. And I said, well, first I forgive you, and now let's talk about the truth. 
And he said, okay. And then I just felt like the Lord, I said, what is your name? And he told me Jeffrey Dave. And I said, no, what is your given name? Because that's what his parents named him. And we've done that with the guy that owns our liquor store, not our liquor store, the liquor store by our house. And he, he melted in Walmart. He told us, Joel, what does he want us to call him? I don't remember what he, you know, it's an American name. But we said, no, what's your given name? And so now we call him, and now I can't remember, Mr. San, Mr. Sang, Mr. Sang. And so anyway, and he told me, and of course I can't remember his name, but I just kept speaking truth, and he admitted that he had two children, and he said, you can't tell me what to do with my job. I've been doing this scam, this fraud for five years, and those were his words. And I said, um, well, what did I say? I said, so I went with that. So I said, okay. I said, well, your babies, you're a person. Are you the person you want your children to be? And are you the person that you want to be? And I said, how did you come to this job? I know you're making money. And when you lay your head down at, at night, I want you to wake up happy in the morning knowing that you're doing something right. And he said, well, this is how I make money. I mean, now we're actually having a, this conversation. And he said, this is my job. It's how I make money. It's how I support my family. And I said, I just want you to take a step of faith today, and I want you to get up and walk out. And he, I said, I'm a Christian, and I fully believe that if you were to take this step today, that the Lord's going to make a way, from you, a way for you, and you know that this is wrong, and there's no honor in what you're doing, and the line was cut. And so that's my testimony. But there was a moment of softness in him, and he was angry with me I mean this was this man was upset come on now listen how many times has that happened in all of our lives how many times have we had uh I mean I, I told I called Langston I was so excited after I read it on Facebook and I said Langston you're never gonna imagine what happened and I told him the story he goes I did that the other day people call and he's like he's giving them prophetic words over the phone Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, go to John chapter 4. Well, you're already there. You should already be there. Say, I'm there. John chapter 4. If you're not there, you've had plenty of time. John chapter 4. Huh? Well, if y'all were led by the Spirit, you know I would be talking about John chapter 4. <laughs> John chapter 4, John chapter 4, um, so I, I, I brought that testimony 
I wanted her to share that testimony because I wanted you to see something, and I'm going to show you that Jesus did the same thing, except in his day it wasn't called telemarketing. In his day it wasn't over a telephone, it was face-to-face. John chapter 4, and then then we're going to close. John chapter 4, Therefore when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, come on now, they don't just throw stuff in the Word for nothing. They all, it's always sometimes about recognition, and Jesus wasn't about recognition. He was about recognizing the person, not himself. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Syrah, near the, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well and was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, listen to me, Jesus said to her, can I have something to drink? For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Number one, Jesus was just tired and just thirsty. Now, earlier when I said, when I was reading at the beginning, and I said this, I said in uh, Luke, I mean Matthew chapter 10, Jesus called his disciples, and it says this, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to hear all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. You understand that? And then in Matthew 28, after he rose from the dead, he said all power and all authority had given. Up until that point, Jesus did not give or delegate to his disciples all the authority and all the power. Jesus operated as a man. He was God, but he came in flesh. He came in the likeness of man and functioned as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with power, just like you and me. But he functioned as a man. Are you following me? I don't believe that at that moment Jesus knew what he was going to say to that one. Now, this is me talking. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I'm saying based on what I read. Because the Bible says that Jesus would sometimes know their thoughts and that Jesus knew what they were going to say. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he had to go to Samaria. But I'm not sure, I'm not entirely convinced that he knew that he was supposed to do that exact same thing and say all the things that he said to her. And let me tell you why. 
Because the Bible is so clear and is so good. There's nothing in the Bible that is insignificant. Why did he go to the well? Huh? Because he was thirsty and tired. It says he was weary and tired. If you're weary and you're tired and you're thirsty, are you thinking about ministering to the person that's fixing to come up into the well? No, but Jesus also recognized that with him he carried the manifest presence of himself and the kingdom of God, right? So listen, this is what he said. So the Samaritan, so the Samaria, so the woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Can I have a drink? He was just thirsty. He was just weary. Sometimes the point is in the place. Sometimes your purpose is in the place. Sometimes her purpose was at the place of that kitchen sink when the Lord revealed to her. And so now every time somebody calls, I guarantee you, every time somebody calls the Jenkins family, they own a mission. And their kids are going to remember that. You're going to remember that. So now the next time someone calls you, you're going to take the opportunity maybe and say, okay, hmm. What am I, am I supposed to say something or am I just supposed to hang up? Listen, he was weary and tired. How many times in our life do we miss the extraordinary because we only see a mundane encounter? Listen, miracles are performed in the mundane. They're performed in the mundane. I'm not going to tell you what happened yet. I'm going to save it for the end. Miracles are performed in the mundane, but as a result of this woman's encounter with the Christ, there's something that quite spectacular happened. We don't know what happened when Jeffrey, Dave, Samuel, Will, Larry, whatever his name was. What We don't know what happened, when, but I guarantee you one thing. When he got off that phone call, there was some tangible, oozing presence of the living God on his, on his ear and all over him. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit was working in his heart. Why? Because she didn't see it as a mundane encounter. She saw it as an extraordinary opportunity. Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus comes up and he says, in Luke, it says that Jesus saw Peter washing his nets. Listen, he saw Peter washing his nets. It was in the mundane that the man that led 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost was founded because he was washing nets. Don't tell me that you washing your car and performing the mundane. God sees it. God saw a man out in the field tending to sheep. And he had already killed the bear. He had already killed the lion. And he was doing what everyone else said was mundane. But God saw him. You don't have to post on Facebook. You don't have to post on Instagram. Trust me, when God's ready, he will, he will bring you before great men. If we would just treat the mundane as an extraordinary opportunity. So I, I was like, okay, well, I can't let her have a testimony. I don't have one. So, so on one of our bank accounts, you know how you have to call, and they call, and you got to give them everything, your height, your weight, 
your social security number, your mother's maiden name, and that's still not enough. So they have a secret question. And they don't even ask you the secret question. It's called a password answer. Do you have, oh, thank you, Mr. Thomas, for calling such and such bank. Uh, I just need to verify a little bit of information. Yes, 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 you're going by. And then they go, okay, I need your, uh, for security purpose, for added security, added security, I need your answer to the secret question. And I go, listen, I go, people. And she goes, it never fails. I've had one person in all these years that didn't ask me, but it never fails. I, they always go, hmm, that's interesting. And what did I say? What's interesting? And she goes, well, your question on your secret question is, what do you build? And I said, people. And I wait. See, that's the art of fishing. I'm trying to teach my girls how to fish for bass. The first time that bass hits that worm, you don't jerk it. You wait. What's the answer to your secret question? People, boom. That's interesting, is it now? And then they, then they ask this, then they go, what do you mean? Well, see, the water that you're drinking. <laughs> Are you satisfied with your job? You're not. Do you want your kid? Do you see what I'm talking about? It's in the mundane that God begins to work. And they say, what do you mean you build people? I said, well, I built houses for years. Now I just build people. She goes, I don't understand. And I'm, I'm, I'm leaving them, giving them enough rope. I'm baiting them. And I say, listen to me. I'm in the ministry. I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. My job is to build. And then I convert it to you. I say, I'll go ahead and take a step of faith. My job is to build you. My job is not to build the church, the organization. My job is to build you and to build you and to encourage you and to train you and to equip you and to equip you. That's my job. So that's what I said. My job is to build you. I want to build you. I want to build you up. And it never fails when they get off the phone. They go, thank you, Mr. Thomas. I appreciate that. And you've given me lots to think about. She said, we don't, this, I've had them say this, I don't know how many times, I never think of pastors like that. I said, that's because they've been doing it wrong. That's why we started our own church. Because sometimes you have to let something die to birth something new. Jesus was just thirsty. Listen to me. He was just thirsty. He was just tired. But he recognized that sometimes the point is in that place. Sometimes the extraordinary happens in the mundane. You follow me? Now, the woman said, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews don't have dealings with Samaritans. First of all, listen to me, it didn't mean that they didn't associate with Samaritans or necessarily talk with Samaritans. There was a whole other layer of discrepancy. There was a whole other layer of, uh, of discrimination when she said, I'm a woman. So not only was she a Samaritan, but she was also a woman. That was a no-no. But what they mean is, when they said dealings is, you didn't drink from the same cup that that Samaritan, because they were dirty. Sounds familiar, don't it? 
Jesus didn't have an issue. She did. Sometimes the people that you are ministering to are the ones that have an issue, not you. The people that we encounter in our lives are oftentimes the ones that have issues, not because of us, but because of the environment that they were raised. Jesus, Jesus didn't have an issue. She did. Listen to this. Religious people like Pharisees of old have the hardest time reaching out to folks who think outside of the box and don't behave inside their hopeless shackles. Part of the struggle comes from what they have done to the Savior of the world. They have sterilized the gospel. Jesus took water and turned it into wine, but 2,000 years later, today's Pharisees have diluted it into grape juice. The death of Christ paid for our sins. Listen to this. But it was his resurrection that gave life to our mortal bodies. Religion embraces death sadistically and moves the risen Christ off the garden back into the tomb. We have lost sight of the fact that the cross was for the old man, not the new man. And that the true Christian life is not about dying for Christ, but living in the life he purchased for us to establish his kingdom upon the earth. The church must shake off the shackles of religion and embrace our supernatural destiny. Turn to your neighbor and say, shake it off. Don't be a hater. See, she was a hater. Jesus wasn't. I don't care what you were taught. I don't care what religion. I don't care what people try to fasten on you. Jesus himself did not limit himself because of ethnicity or gender. He only limited himself by this. He said, I only do what? What I see my father do. I only do what I hear my father say. Don't be a hater. That's Southern. Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. Don't, don't allow that anything that puts bondage on you is bondage. Break free from it. Well, if you were a Christian, you would. No, 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 no. Break free from it. Jesus died for all of that. Now we get to live in it full of grace. It's the empowerment of that man. So Jesus said to her, he said, listen, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for some water. Because that mess you're drinking right there, you're going to be thirsty in a little while. But the water I give, you'll never thirst again. There's something inside of you that you don't even know. I venture to say, because I'm going to say it, there's something inside of all of us that we don't even recognize and realize what's inside of us. The water, he said that those that drink of this out of whose belly? Out of my belly? Because I'm the pastor. Out of whose belly? Out of your belly, our belly, shall flow out it's like a spring. You know what a natural spring, we have natural springs under the ground at our house, and there's water just always coming up out of the ground. They don't go nowhere. It's just natural water. They just bubble up, bubble up. You don't have to sit at home and go, okay, I'm going to pray real hard before I go out because I need to stir something. No, it's already in you. Listen, all you got to do is say, 
is just listen to the Spirit in those mundane encounters and watch the Lord move in your life, in their life, before your eyes. And then what happens is now you become a weapon. Now the enemy, he don't want you. And now he's scared of you for real because when you leave this place, now you become carriers of the kingdom of God. You begin to manifest the presence of God in every place that you go. And you don't even necessarily have to say a word. They heard about Jesus. They heard about things that were happening. They heard about things that he had done. They didn't necessarily encounter him. They encountered him through other people. And then last but not least, Jesus answered her with this. He said, the woman answered him and said, I, he, he said, whoever drinks of this water, I shall give him whenever thirst. And then the woman said, verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Ding, ding, ding. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship. He did not answer this woman with condemnation, with religion. He didn't come against her and say, well, you know, not only have you sinned five times because you got divorced, but now the, one, the man that you're living with is not. He never even addressed that. Listen to me. He never even addressed it other than the acknowledgement of it. And I believe, I've read commentaries that said he said that so that he would reveal to the woman that he knew that she was in sin. That's not what he said it for. He said it for the same reason he said to the woman that was caught in the act. He said, where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. He said, what did he say next? I had somebody say to me the other day, he said, go and send them more. I said, no, he didn't. He said, yes, he did. I said, no, he didn't. He said, yes, he did. I said, read it again, buddy. What was the first thing he said to her? He said, neither do I. Neither do I. Do we have the ministry of reconciliation or the ministry of condemnation? Jesus didn't address. Listen, you deal with people. How many of you are people in here? Are you a people? then all of us have flesh, all of us have junk, all of us have baggage, all of us have luggage. We have things that we're working through. If you just approach people on the basis of what they should look like, you're never going to step out because people are people. I'm dealing with a situation right now with a person that I'm, I'm involved in their life and I'm ministering to them. And you know what? They act in a little fleshy. When they're fleshy. That's what I'm in their life for, to help them not act fleshy. And as long as you give me the influence in your life, I can help you. But the moment that you resist my influence, I can't help you no more. There are people in your life, 
Everybody listen to me, and then we're going to close. Listen to, my, listen to what I'm saying. There are people in your life that I don't know, that don't know me. There are people in your life that don't even, have never even heard about me. There are people in my life that don't know you, that have never even heard of you. But you are in their life. And the great thing about the very beginning of this chapter was the Pharisees was arguing over whether or not Jesus baptized more people than John. And then the Bible so cunningly says, parentheses, because Jesus didn't baptize all of them, he delegated. And his disciples baptized. The power, the kingdom of God is for us. I told you, I said that out of John chapter 4, and I had her testimony because I want you to see that when you leave here, the mundane is where the miraculous happens. We oftentimes look for the spectacular, and we miss the supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit. How many of you in here are less younger than 18 years of age? Raise your hand. All right, now listen to me. Every one of you have an opportunity to develop in you something that will put you light years ahead of the rest of us. It's called don't be bound by religious tradition. You are so sensitive. These children are so sensitive to the Spirit of God at their young age. It's religion that waters that mess down and dumbs it down so that when we get older, you say, that's not the Lord. He's more willing to speak than we are to listen. And I, Jesus didn't, well, I, I doubt, you, you can't quote me on this, so don't try, but I doubt very seriously that Jesus woke up that morning and said, I think I'm going to minister to a woman at a well today, and I'm going to ask her for some water, and she's going to say this, and then I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say this, and I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say this, and I'm going to say about the five husbands because he already... I'm not saying that didn't happen, but I find it hard to believe that as detailed as the Bible is, it wouldn't have given us those. No, it says this. It says he was tired and he was thirsty. Listen, if you're tired and you're thirsty and your phone rings, get ready. If you're tired and you're thirsty and someone knocks on your door, get ready. If you're tired and you're thirsty and it is 4.55 and your coworker is sitting next to you, and you say, man, I'm ready to get off work, and she starts crying, get ready. Don't pass up the miraculous and the extraordinary because in your mind it's so mundane. It's not mundane. That's where the Holy Spirit comes together. And I believe that as he stepped out, and as he began to talk, the Holy Spirit was giving him words. Why don't you go get your husband and y'all come here and I'm going to teach. Because he's going to teach her. He, he knows about authority. And he says, all right, listen. Apparently, he recognized something on her. And he says, go get your husband. Because if we don't get the husband, we got to get the head of the house. Jesus is always after the head. He's always after the family. He says, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have one. And, and I believe that at that moment, the Holy Spirit began to breathe. And he goes, mm, that's right, you don't. You've had five. And the one you live with now is not your husband. Don't listen to me. <coughs> Stand to your feet. Don't li listen to me. The mundane is where the miraculous takes place. The, 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 
the moments of these encounters that you and I think are just so insignificant are life-changing. I've had people come back to me years later and say, thank you for something I said. Can I be honest with you? I don't remember. But they do. And I have to believe that at that moment, I was being led by the Spirit of God. And as I sat in my desk and I ministered to that person in the workplace and I said to them, I believe God's doing something in your life, it changed that man's life. How many times do we pass by those encounters because we're tired and we're thirsty? And the game's on. And we got to get back because everybody's waiting on us. Well, what about that person that's right there in front? Listen, I'm not saying you got to spend three hours. How much, how long were you on the phone? 15 minutes? 10 minutes. Is 10 minutes worth a life change for someone on the other end? Is 10 minutes worth something? In, in the line, is 10 minutes worth something to your coworker? I'm trying to get you to unpack something. Listen to me. I'm trying to get you to unpack something. And when you walk out these doors, it is my job and my responsibility so that when you leave this place, you don't go, man, that was a great message. My job is so that when you leave here, you go, all right, I'm ready. And you're looking for a mundane opportunity. Looking for someone. Listen, I dare, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. I dare you to find somebody and pray for them. I dare you to find somebody and minister to them. I said, can I pray for you? Can I just pray? And don't try to get all, the other thing that Jesus did was he spoke her language. Don't try to get Father, just say Father in Jesus' name. Touch Mr. Clark's shoulder right here in Walmart in Jesus' name. Touch Mr. C, touch Miss Louis, whatever it is, touch them. Somebody, the, 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 uh, um, the late, what's her name? The, your friend, what's her name? Huh? Drina. Don't miss, you don't know who's around you who's got a daughter who's fixing to go under open heart surgery. You never know. And listen, it might not work. Yeah, it might not. But what if it does? I'm going to say this and then I'll close. April's dad, Ott, Ravapon, is from Thailand. He is the most positive. He, he doesn't even, I wouldn't even say he's a glass half full guy. He's like, I, the glass is half full and the rest of it is on its way, guy. Stop letting religion, the enemy wants you to go, well, it ain't going to work. I mean, I know he said that, and she said that, and there's many testimonies, but it ain't going to work for you because you hadn't, and he goes on, you hadn't been trained, you hadn't been saved long enough. Come on, you've heard it all. You, you don't even know what you're going to say. Somebody says, I want to be a believer. You don't even know how to tell him. You don't know what to say. You don't, I, wanna, I want this. You don't even know what to say. Listen to this. I'm going to read this last part to you. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way. and She done left her pot. She done had an encounter with Jesus. She was like, I don't need this water. The man does say it. I don't need it, so I'm leaving it. And she said to the men, what men? The men in her city. Listen, 
the woman who you're not supposed to talk to left the pot that you're not supposed to drink from, and she said what? Come see a man. She didn't even know his name. Come see a man who told me all things I've never did. I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then she wasn't even convinced that he was. To the, then she went out to the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus said, eat. This is, I'm, I'm adding this. Eat, fools. I have food that you don't even know of. And they said, what? They all looking around. They still don't have a clue. They all looking around going, did Jesus go get some chicken and we didn't know about it? And he says this. He says, has, he says, he says my food is to do the will of him who sent me finish his work. Do not say there is still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say, listen to me, one love. City church, listen to me. Lift up your eyes. The fields are ripe and they're already ready for harvest. Now listen, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of this woman's report. She wasn't qualified, not according to religion. She wasn't ready. She hadn't been taught. She hadn't been ready. But this woman left with one thing and one thing only. You got to come here about a man. He done told me everything that's happened in my life. Listen, don't try to make it complicated. What is different about you? You say, I'm, at a, I'm in love with a man. And his name is Jesus. I don't think he is the Christ. I know he's the Christ. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. It's so simple. And as a result of this woman's testimony, Jesus sidetracked and held two days left over because of her. Not because of him, because of her. Because of her. She stepped out and said, I got to tell. Listen, she went to the men and said, y'all, 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 y'all ain't ready. And then they came to Jesus and they said, please stay with us. And it says that he stopped his, he stopped and stayed there for two days and taught them. He didn't teach them for 30 minutes and then they all chilled out for the rest of the day. He stayed and taught for hours and hours and hours and hours because they were hungry. And we get mad if it's 12 o'clock. I'm not talking about y'all. I know y'all don't do that because I push the limits anyway. I know y'all don't do that, but I'm talking about religion. Listen to me. The power is, sometimes the point is in the power. It's in the, the power is where the point is. It's in that place. And whatever place you're in, Father, in the name of Jesus, whatever place we're in, whether we're weary, tired, hungry, thirsty, want to go to sleep, ready to transition to a new job, want to quit this job, no matter where we're at, I thank you that there is no such thing as a mundane encounter. Everything that we do can take on kingdom significance. Father, I release that in Jesus' name. And I ask that as we leave this place today, let us see that there is no mundane encounters. That every person that we come in contact with has a point. And every place that we go has a purpose. We'll be led by the Spirit, but part of that being led by the Spirit is us opening ourselves up. Come on. I open myself up right now to the possibilities of, of encounters today that can change cities, that can change lives. 
We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen. Listen, you are blessed. I bless you. I release you. Go and encounter people and change your lives by manifesting the kingdom of God. Amen.